Hello and welcome back to the So That Got Me Thinking podcast. I'm your host Nat and I'm really excited to introduce this week's guest. So we have got March and she is the Organic Mind Gardener. Oh wow, she's an invisible illness warrior and really she is just changing the preconceived ideas that we have around what disability is and what it actually looks like. I just love what she's about and what she does. So let me tell you a little bit more. March is a certified life and health coach who helps people supercharge their mindset to live a positive, fueled existence no matter their health condition. She was born with a rare birth defect, causing her to become a left lung amputee at the age of 11. She knows the power of mental resilience and the importance of sharing limiting beliefs about yourself to get the outcome you really want. After 23 years of feeling embarrassed by a condition, she decided to harness that fear and switching from her travel agency job to becoming a coach. So her goal is to get people all over the world to take ownership of their conditions without fear and with pure sass. Now, when you listen to this podcast, I hope you can sense that part of March's personality and all she wishes to put forward in the world. I think this is a great conversation. I hope you do too. Bye. Natalie, how are you? I am really excited to chat. Me too. Let me, I'm going to go straight in and I yep. ask this question to everybody, but I think it's going to be super important in this chat to really lay the foundations of why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. So let's go straight in. So what event or thing has happened in your life that has completely changed your outlook? Wow. Yeah, straight in for an easy what, question. What a question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so... What event? That's a really good question. And it hasn't got to be an event, but has there something, you know, when you think, oh, it was like before that thing and then after that thing. Has that ever happened to you when you think, oh my goodness, like I really didn't, my things have changed so much. And sometimes it can be a perspective or sometimes it can just be a program kind of something small, but you're like, oh my God, that's changed everything. I think there's there's a couple of things that I can think about. Mm. When I was 18... I had just left school. Yeah. And I was on that sort of high of life. I felt like an adult. And, you know, I I grew up with a lot of health problems. Mm -hmm. I have one kidney, one lung, really bad spinal problems. And I have a fake esophagus as well. So sort of the syndrome that I have affects a lot of different organs of the body. Mm. And I grew up, you know, going to, I went to a normal school with my sisters, but spent a lot of time in and out of hospital. Yeah, sure. in the In the hospital classroom more than I was at school, which was a struggle, but I I didn't, I, I was quite ashamed by everything that was going on in my body and I, I never spoke about it. Um, That's interesting. I'm going to come back to that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so we're we're going to come back. I love that. So I never spoke about anything. And so when I left school at 18... I there was a lot of parties lined up over the summer and I remember I went to a festival and it was my first festival so you know there was a bit of nerves going on in the family yeah. and friends and you got to look after March and um it rained the whole festival <laughs> and <laughs> what happened is quite often I if I used to get cold I used to pick up chest infections quite quickly yeah and so picked up a chest infection had antibiotics like I always did and the cough sort of went away but it sort of lingered 
mm. the rest of the summer. And I, it, this went on for about two months. And one night I, I was staying over at my friend's house and woke up in the middle of the night and could not breathe. So I went to hospital and was there for about four days right. and it was all fine. And then my mum was away. I remember my mum being away and she got there. As soon as she got there, the oxygen um, machine that I was attached to, the beep just kept going beep, beep, beep. And we just saw the levels going down, and down and down and down. And of course, in that moment, my heart sunk. But they said to me, they said, okay, March, we're just going to um, do an operation to try and get your lung working a bit better. And I woke up two months later <gasps> having been in a coma for wow. two months. Which at 18? At 18, yeah. It was a strange, strange realisation. But I think, you know, I had to reteach myself how to walk and talk and write and do do all the things that we take for granted yeah every day you know and essentially an induced coma is they just they pause your brain so that with medicine so that you don't feel any pain um and so to take you out of it obviously they've given you a lot of drugs and stuff so your body is so confused when you wake up slowly reacting i'd imagine exactly like and they, they do it over a long period of time and i think I, when I left hospital, I was 26 kilos. <gasps> March, wow. I know. And so, you know, even I remember having my first bath at home and I hadn't, you know, you can't have, you can't wash yourself or anything when you're in hospital. The bath, Especially not in a coma. No, not, not in a coma. <laughs> you can't do that in a coma. They do wash you. It's nice of them. They wake you up at 6.30 in the morning. They they wash you and stuff. But um which is, you know, anti-social time. We need to really tell them about that. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, when I got home, I think having a bath took me an hour and a half and my mum had to sit outside the door and... Just in case. Just in case. And in in that moment, I remember thinking, how lucky am I to still be here? And I think this was a moment that... That was a a major moment of realisation of what's just happened you know and I think this although I'd grown up with illness and especially up until the age of 11 I was in hospital Mm. every two or three weeks but that was a I mean that still is a major part of my life and I think that did completely change my outlook could we talk about changing that outlook a minute so obviously you very much look at supercharging people's mindset within yeah. your work and do you think that has that change in your mindset when that happened to you do you think that's kind of linked into that how you want to then help others to do the same absolutely I mean mm. for me it's like everyone's everyone always says to me oh much how do you stay so positive yeah and I personally think you know that's quite a loaded question it's a lot of responsibility <laughs> with that isn't there you know how do you stay so positive it's like I will I'm I'm not positive all the time. All the you time. Know, yeah. we, can't, we can't be positive all the time as humans, you know. Mm. There's things that we can do to aid our positivity. But I'm not saying I don't have bad days. I think mm. something that resonated with me a lot is I was listening to, um, I was actually listening to podcasts a few years ago. And, uh, I think it was Russell Brand talking about love how, that. I love his podcast, but he was talking about he has 
the most incredible life, amazing wife and children and house. But when he wakes up and he's having a down day, if someone says to him, oh, you know, Russell, there's there's people on the other side of the world that are having a way worse day than you. I think he what he said is it doesn't detract from the fact that he's having a bad day. I can resonate with that, absolutely. And I think that's a really important thing for us all to take in is the fact that if you're having a bad day, you need to be able to roll with it. Do you so see what I mean? So almost like honouring honoring that bad day in a way. Be like, honoring it's okay it. to feel like this right now. Well, exactly. And, you know, mm. I don't know about you, Nat, but I definitely have bad days. I'm not Absolutely. Robotic. You know, we're not robotic, but um, I think, you know, that's a, that's a really important thing to know but this positivity notion I'm like do you think it can be a bit toxic this whole thing is we have to be positive all the time definitely and like Instagram and social media definitely has a big part mm. to play, play in it don't you think absolutely because we're all smiling and we're all like roasting to vision of reality yeah. um, and so then even though our brains and we're very clever people we know that this is not real right all of us yeah because we, we do the same so we've got our own you know our own kind of bio yeah. up there doing the same thing and sometimes we will post this smiley picture knowing mm. full well we're having that one of those crappy days right now but it's still up there and people are like oh you look so happy I'm so glad you're doing well and you think that does yeah. not help the kind of you know, yeah, imposter syndrome, yeah. fraud element of social media, I guess. And I think that's actually a really important message, what you've just said, is posting. I, I find posting on on Instagram or social media or TikTok, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I only post when I am actually feeling my authentic self. That's a great tip. And I think that's really important to take forward because uh, you just don't feel true to yourself if you're posting something oh, I just had the best walk and it did this, this and this. And actually you're lying on the sofa with a bag of crisps. You know, I think, yeah. I think that, that that's where the lines are blurred with social media, don't you think? Yeah, because it's not um, instant, is it? It's not a, a caption. It's just a snapshot of a certain point of your life. And that could have been weeks, months ago. And because our brains change quickly and our moods change quickly, our emotions change quickly. We're not the same people we were possibly when that picture was taken or that video clip was taken. Things happen to us, don't they, so quickly. Like if you think of you and two months in a coma, mm. if you'd have looked at March on social media prior and after mm. it would have been you're the same march but so much has happened even just mentally let alone physically to your body about what that looks like well that's the thing isn't it and you know you can go to bed in one mood and wake up in another and true i think you know that's that's definitely it's a really interesting fact isn't it about you know social media and authenticity and mm. and that po- positivity notion yes and hey they're all linked and yet and we're all linked, and yet we all have the same <laughs> things. Can I can I talk to you about something, Marsh? Yeah. Because uh, obviously, from uh, I haven't met you in person, but I've seen a lot of you on Instagram. And you, if I looked at you in the street, I would never think you had um, an invisible illness. Okay, you yeah. look really healthy, really well. Are there a lot of myths of what people quote unquote expect from a chronic illness? So is it that they don't expect you to look like that? Is there, you know, how does that play out, I guess, in your in your world? I think uh, I'm talking from my experience. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's plays out differently. But um, the myths that go with it, I mean, in terms of 
in terms of the myths, obviously I try and keep up with all my friends and, you know, mm. try and do everything that everyone else does. Yeah. But I think with time, you realize that you have to put boundaries in place. And I'm only just sort of realizing that in the last few years. Mm. But the effect that it has on my personal health is something that I would never even believe could be possible. Just the simplicity of saying yes or no to people. And yeah. I think, you know, we're all so fast paced in this world. And it's it's little things like someone asks you to go for a walk or they ask you to go for a drink or go to their birthday party next week. Mm-hmm. I think we're all so quick to say yes or no, that sort of instant because we've got everything at our fingertips now. Yeah. It's that everyone expects you to reply immediately. And I think the problem with having a chronic health condition where you don't know how you're going to feel when you wake up in the morning or after your day of work or coaching or whatever Mm -hmm. you're doing. Yeah. I think that's one of the most challenging things for me. And does that link into that shame that you talked about earlier? Is it a case of kind of surrender and acceptance? Definitely, because Mm -hmm. you have to be quite disciplined with yourself if you have an illness that you can't get rid of. So I think that's the thing. you just got to learn how to manage it. And when I was growing up, you know, when I was in in my teenage years, I just wanted to do everything. God, I... No. (laughs) You know, I was partying, I was drinking, I tried cigarettes, you know, all these things that just... I would never do now, but that's part of growing up mm-hmm. and learning boundaries. And I think I was so ashamed to be different, whereas now I'm so proud to be different. And actually, your difference, you know, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. is what now helps you to help others. Well, that's the thing. So I think you you harness what I once perceived as a weakness. It's now your superpower. Exactly. Nice. Oh, nah, yeah. So it's just, it's a journey, isn't it? And debunking these, these myths, as you say. But I'm so, like, it's so refreshing to hear you debunk them. And I think that's why the world needs you as a coach, March, because you've got first-hand experience of what it is to live with what you say as, a, you know, an invisible illness and being yeah. an invisible illness warrior. Yeah. But, for those who are lucky enough, you know, not not to deal with that on a day-to-day basis or maybe someone in their family doesn't, mm. it's really refreshing to understand because, like you say, I think we, we are so quick to take everything for granted, aren't we? And we expect so much from people sometimes, yet give other people so, you know, breadcrumbs of our lives. I think, you know, that's the thing is that it's my whole thing is it's the lack of knowledge around mm. invisible illnesses but I actually more more recently I've defined I'm an invisible I have an invisible disability so yeah and the word disability the more and more I talk about it with my friends or people whoever I people are scared of the word and I think <clears throat> people are scared of the word because there's a lack of information and the, so I think building awareness around disability is disability can look like me and I think I think that's a really important thing for people to realize is disability comes in all shapes and forms and it might not be to the naked eye but you've got to be accepting of the fact that it can come in all different forms 
And did that take you a while to accept as well, you know, while you were going through this journey? Oh, my gosh, definitely. I mean, mm. I only, I mean, it's, it's actually crazy to think about. I, I became disabled when I was 11, when I had my left lung removed. Yeah. Essentially a left lung amputee. And it wasn't until after my coma, my dad called me and he, I'd just passed my driving test. Big moment. And he was like, hey, March, have you ever thought about, you know, applying for a disabled blue badge? And I thought, that's not for me, you know. Did you? Was that your initial reaction? Yeah, that's Mm. not for me, you know. Other people need it more than me. And then when I went on to apply, it was all these questions. How far can you walk whilst carrying shopping bags? And do you get out of breath going up and down the stairs? And it was, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes, To every question. Mm. And it was was sort of like this shockwave of... I've been living under not a false identity, but I think it's that whole going back to the shame, that whole shame theme is I was embarrassed, I think, Mm. more than anything. And I've had I've had friends over the years be embarrassed for me to put my blue badge out when they're in the car with me. Really? Yeah. And do you think that's because we have this kind of tunnel vision of what a quote, you know, of what a disability looks like, or what people, people with a blue badge look like? Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. you you think that you have to come out of the car with a walking stick or a, you know, hearing aid or whatever it might be. But mm. and I get I get such bad looks from people when I put my badge out, and you feel like you're undeserving of it. That is, I would never have considered that, actually. You feel like you're undeserving of it, which is a terrible thing to feel. But then, you know, I'm working through the fact that maybe that's just in my head. So so it's that whole just getting the balance of, you know, how, how many times have people made remarks versus how many times they haven't? Yes. And I think it's, you know, I think once we notice something once, we keep noticing it, don't we? And well, I think that's kind of, you know, our natural bias of our brain. But you are, even by coming on this podcast for our listeners, you are challenging that view of what that looks like. And, and I'm guessing that's your mission within your work and your coaching is to challenge that and support people to, you know, live their best lives. Definitely. I mean, that's what drives me every day. I want, mm. I want, people with health issues to be able to live the life that they want Mm. that's that's a really important mission for me and just to show you that I say again disability can look like me and and for anyone that you know has never checked out my Instagram or anything I I look you wouldn't even notice March's uh, Instagram link will be at the bottom of the show notes everybody just in case you you know when you want to find March to have a look at her amazing coaching and what a inspiration she is on Instagram I'll show you later but another question then March because I'm very and yeah I'm finding this extremely interesting so you said about when you were 11 when you had your um when you had your the kind of one side of your lung taken yeah um let's think about young March then a minute um this is not a counseling session, anybody. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Think about March at 11 or any age when you were younger. What yeah. is the like one thing you're really grateful for her for? One thing that she did, you think now as you know, as you're old, you think I'm so grateful that happened or that I did that or that happened or I had the guts to do that because that's really shaped and changed my outlook now. Um, in terms of 
do you mean a character trait or anything whatever you think whatever resonates what am I grateful for I think I'm grateful for uh carrying on my education whilst being sick because I guess you could have easily have said it's too much easily and my, my parents as well I have two sisters who you know I'd constantly I'd be in the midst of you know, going home, then back to the hospital, then in the classroom at the hospital, then back to school for a few weeks. And then it was a chest infection in hospital over birthdays and Christmases and stuff. But so I could have easily thrown in the towel, but I think it was that, you know, that resilience to carry on. And I am so grateful. And I think I've carried that through my whole life. I'm proud to say that I've carried the resilience. And I think that's put me in Without it all, I don't think I'd be as resilient as I am today. Just from listening to you on this podcast, I think resilience definitely seems to be kind of the thread through, you know, your message, through your Instagram, from Mm -hmm. your passion and your, you know, what drives you to to push this forward and, Mm -hmm. you know, share this information. It definitely, it definitely resonates when you're talking about that for sure. That is, that's, that's nice to hear because you, you know, you don't, you don't see it from that perspective when you're. No, when you're battling on and just pushing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I think resilience definitely not. That's um, that's that's a main one. But I'm I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I cool. Did, I think you did a lot there, and I think that must have been really difficult to <laughs> on your family as well to continue. You know, to help you go through that. Um, you know, must have must have been resilient for them, or they are very resilient too. No, oh, they're definitely resilient. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thinking about those times when you're resilient is there anything that inspires you in terms of books or podcasts or performances or you know anything at all what what is it that inspires you I guess to keep being March what inspires me to keep being March yeah that is a great question I've really put you on the spot here I apologize no I'm so intrigued so I think development definitely inspires me and I really want to make a positive change look I'm back to that word positivity I want to make headway in what disability looks like I want to shift expectations and preconceptions around disability and I I want to help people grow in their health life to become the person that they want to be um that I I once was disbelieving that I could become Mm. and having had that transformation I want to help others have it too do you think there's an element of and I'll give this from my personal experience and you can Mm -hmm. tell me if this resonates with you so um I started coaching teenagers in school at kind of 14 15 because when I was that age I really needed someone to do like to help me in that way or to give me that kind of self-development and that those kind of I don't know a toolbox of things that I could use when I was having those bad days or if I'd forgotten who I was or what I wanted and I felt a bit lost do you think that your experiences have really kind of you're now being the person that you wanted and needed when you were a bit younger too or when you were going through the process of understanding kind of your um your chronic illness there's definitely an element of that for sure because you know there was there was nothing out there when when I was growing up um mental health wasn't talked about Um, that's helpful isn't it that's always really helpful I think (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my god I think true I, I agree 
you know, it, especially in your generation, my parents' generation, and everyone, it, mental health wasn't talked about. And I think when you have a health condition, especially if you, I always put an example as if you break your arm, absolutely, and you can't play in your football match or you can't dance in your dance show or can't go to school or education. There we go. Yeah, you're you're sad about it, aren't you? Absolutely. But so, if it's mental health, we're not allowed. So having grown up with so like so many different types of health situations, mm. I was quite often sad, but the times where I wasn't sad was when I was healthy. So I think mm-hmm. there there is a lot of that that drives me. Um Absolutely. to help others get through the bad times and the good times. That's really interesting because we forget about that bit sometimes, don't we? We kind of focus on the difficulty rather than you say like the things I can do, the things I am really proud of and the things I'm really good at. Well, and I think it's really good to remind people. And if if you're listening and, and you're thinking, oh, what what is going well? Think about what's going well at the moment. I think we're so focused on the negatives. Yeah. And just be proud of yourself for what you've achieved this week in the last seven days in the last month. You know, the last hour, really I've managed to get up out of bed today. That is, yes, that, yeah, that's a result now. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it is, isn't it? Especially <laughs> if we're going through a period when we're really struggling with different things, whatever that may be. Um, although people may not be struggling with chronic illness, they may be struggling with all different things, and we're all like human and and together in that, aren't we? I suppose that is what what binds us. And that's okay, not getting out of bed in the morning. You yeah. know, well, I think we're all programmed now to be productive Push all the time. And grind, yeah. Push through it and be a high achiever. And it's just not how we all should be living our lives. If you want to, that's totally fine. But it's just such an important message that you are allowed to rest. You are allowed to relax, chill and reset your body because it will reward you for it. Back to that acceptance, I guess, isn't it? Of what it, we can do right now. Just there today. we go. The Organic Mind Garden with March. She is available on Instagram, and I'll put all the links in his show notes. You have been amazing. Thank you so so much. Oh no, I've absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you heard today, please share with friends, rate, subscribe, give us a review. It really helps to push forward the message and share with others. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Take care.